MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Ricky Sanders. We are feeling in a fantasy baseball mood because uh, Ricky and I both really like to play high-stakes fantasy baseball. We, uh, we've we actually seen some contests launched on the NFC that are specifically for the shortened season. There's going to be a second-chance championship. And, uh, Ricky, as soon as it comes down that uh, baseball starting on this day, we're playing this many games, uh, I'm going to head on over to the NFC and go register for a contest because uh, I need it. I need it in my life. So today is going to be a, a fantasy baseball preview show we're going to talk some first base some second base some catcher and uh do a little mock draft of a first round so uh ricky we're we're excited we're going to talk about first base which uh is uh i think you know if you if you were going to pick one position to win i think other than shortstop you'd really want to win first base yeah first base is very top heavy to the point where you look at the ADPs for NFC, and the guy who's going fifth at the first base position is DJ LeMahieu, who I'm not sure is a guy you're drafting for first base, but it just shows you in terms of ADP like what the difference would be if you got the first guy, who's Cody Bellinger, and if you got the fifth guy, who's DJ LeMahieu, who we've seen be a solid average hitter since his days back in Colorado, mostly a slap hitter. And I'm not sure that we can continue to see him, you know, flirt with 30 homers. I know Yankee Stadium has helped enhance the power, but this is not like a top tier, you know, 30 plus homer every year guy who could single handedly win you a league sort of player at first base, which is what I think you uh, you want. I mean, we certainly can find guys later uh, who we think could be potential 30, 100 type guys, which is what you want at first base. And it gives you an option where you don't have to reach for a first baseman. But there is an elite tier, which I think consists of Cody Bellinger, Freddie Freeman, and Pete Alonso that are just a tier above the field in terms of both floor and ceiling. And I think, you know, the, the 50 homer potential from basically any of them, but Freddie Freeman is interesting. And just the absolute safety of Freddie Freeman being one of the best hitters in the league against right-handed pitching, you know you're going to get big numbers from him year in and year out. So I think Bellinger obviously is a great place to start this discussion because he is the first guy drafted since. Uh, uh, so the, the ADP that we are going to be referencing today is going to be ADP from April 1st on, uh, I thought I thought that was a good way 
Uh, I thought that was a good way to look at ADP because it would include a lot of assumptions about uh, COVID-19 and how that might impact fantasy baseball. So I, I thought that was I thought that was a good way to approach the situation. And since April 1st, uh, Cody Bellinger's average draft position has been uh, fourth overall, 4.6. So he and he has been taken as early as first. He's been taken as late as 10th. Um, I, I have to say that my strategy would be very unlikely to include selecting Cody Bellinger first overall. I know he's great. You know, I know that you are going to get real, I mean, absurd statistics from him. My feeling would be that one, he doesn't add any steals. And uh, you and I have talked a bunch on how, you know, even guys who can chip in 10, 15 steals uh, or, or in the shortened season, like six steals, uh, that stuff is going to be really valuable. But also, I mean, there are guys, 100 picks later at first base who might come close to matching Bellinger in terms of home runs. Uh, so where are you at with Bellinger in the first round? So just from a speed perspective, Bellinger has some sneaky speed, by the way. I uh, guess he, he is a little sneaky. Yeah, that's true. He's stolen double-digit bases all three years he's been in the majors. So, like, he doesn't give you nothing. And last year was a career-high 15. Uh, he is a guy who, like, to me is sort of like prime Paul Goldschmidt in terms of his steal potential. Yeah. But he turned it on last year. I mean, the concerns you had with Cody Bellinger was, you know, he was a complete uppercut swing sort of guy. So there wasn't too many, like, line drives because he was trying to hit the ball out a lot. And that led to a low average 267 and 260 in his first two seasons. He was up to a 26.2% line drive rate last year. He improved by over six percentage points from 2018. And this might be, end up being a career-high number, but he hit the ball hard 49.2% of the time as opposed to 40 the year before. His career number is at 44. So he started absolutely crushing the ball, and he was even more patient, so he was waiting for his pitch. I mean, he went from a 20, almost 7% K rate his rookie year to a 24% K rate to 16 and a half last year, and he hit 49 homers. So I think Cody Bellinger showed me that this was an improved hitter at the plate. We know he has elite power. He hit 49 bombs. If he can give you speed as well, you can draft him. You can play him in the outfield. You can play him at first base. He could be one of those guys who could sort of figure it out later, sort of like in fantasy football. If you, you, you're in a league with rookie picks, you could just take the pick and figure out the position later. I think Cody Bellinger is a rock-solid pick very early and I think he's even a guy you could consider taking first overall I don't think that's crazy all right well there we go we have it Cody Mellinger first overall not crazy uh so I agree with you that Freeman and Alonzo are in a similar tier I really like Matt Olson uh one of the a sneaky thing with Matt Olson by the way might be that um, if the proposal we get from Major League Baseball is that these teams are not playing in their home stadiums, but, you know, like, let's say there's a proposal where they play a ton of games at, I mean, I have not heard anyone say this, but tell me how this doesn't make sense. Why would they not play their games if there's not going to be fans there anyway? Why wouldn't they play them like where they play the Cactus League or the Grapefruit League, where it's all outside, you know, all the training facilities are outside, so we know, you know, COVID transmission is a lot harder outside, like, are, Matt Olson playing zero games in o.co uh i mean that would for me that would make him like a round better ricky if i knew that he was not playing in the coliseum at all and he was playing all his games um at a a non-disadvantage in terms of park yeah and like any doubts you could have had about matt olson i think the one doubt left is that you know his average his average is probably never going to be elite but he injured his hammock bone last year which you know, the masses were basically saying, like, look, when you hurt your hamate bone, you don't recover power for an extended period. And I looked into studies that showed that that was a falsehood. I mean, that was basically a case-by-case -case basis. And I argued that on Twitter, and people argued against me. And then Matt Olson came back and hit 36 homers in just 127 games after this injury. So there's no lingering effects of this, this hand injury that people, you know, worry, zaps the power out of power hitters. He had arguably his best year. I mean, he had his best average. He had 36 homers. I just don't see how if you take him out of Oakland Coliseum, seeing his ridiculous fly ball numbers into the mid 40s, seeing that it was a career best line drive rate. Uh, I don't know how you don't get like a 40 plus home run pace from Matt Olson, but the problem with him is there is no speed. However, 
the mid-tier at first base is a clear drop-down from a guy with, like, 45 to 50-plus home run rate potential, you know, over a full season. So I think because of the elite power, you're still considering Matt Olson as, like, that next guy. I think that is I think that is very appropriate. So I know I know um, people have a lot of opinions on Goldschmidt and Muncie and Abreu and Bell, but uh, I I want to start drifting Ricky towards the value tier because you know one thing we do know about first base is that it's going to be deep, and the reason it's deep is uh, first of all you know a lot of guys who play DH are first base eligible in fantasy baseball, so literally their only job is to hit the baseball, and first base is. Uh, you know, I, I if 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 I want to go if I want to go full money ball here, uh, it's it's easy position to learn to play defense. Actually, no, it's not. It's incredibly difficult. But basically, uh, a team's worst defender is very likely to play first base. So that means this is a tier that can go forty deep, fifty deep of guys who are getting, especially with um, the universal DH. Like we might have sixty guys who are getting everyday at bats who are eligible at first base. So I I kind of want to go deep here. So let's let's say our demarcation line is. Carlos Santana at uh, 140th overall. It then skips to Edwin Encarnacion at 166th overall. So I want to I want to go deep here and start talking about some guys that we think can uh, maybe provide you know some league winning seasons. We talked about him a little bit last week on the show, but I I think that Luke Voigt has just this absolutely crazy ceiling that is not at all baked into his current ADP. Yeah, I mean, Luke Voigt is one of the most patient hitters in the league who has studied launch angle. So you know that he's trying to optimize his at-bats in Yankee Stadium. And he he tries to hit fly balls. He tries to make solid contact. And he's just been battled, you know, he's battled injuries, which has basically kept him back from one of those massive seasons. Now, this Yankees team is pretty loaded in terms of overall volume of bats that could take away, you know, if they're going to play him some at DH, that could take away some of his at-bats on days they want to get some of their other outfielders involved if Aaron Judge is going to be back by the time of the start of the season. But I think Luke Voigt has shown over the course of the last two years when healthy that he deserves to be in this lineup. And, I mean, this is a guy who could approach like a 400 on base if he's locked in, you know, especially in a season with... 80 games and with that launch angle that you could easily put him on pace for like a 40 home run type season i think if you're looking for just absolute upside luke voigt at this spot is your guy uh i would prefer he you know he hit from the left side of the plate in yankee stadium but like him and encarnacion at, when we're digging this deep are the clear guys that i think could be like you know the the eighth best first baseman it would not shock you at all yeah, I think that is. Uh, I think that is probably true. So, who are uh, who is your favorite? You know, kind of value first baseman guy where you can see uh, a ceiling that really just is not priced into where he's being drafted right now. I'm gonna take the old guy. I'm gonna go Edwin Encarnacion uh, here. I know we just can't kind help of yourself. Him. Can't help myself with these White Sox. He's 37, almost and a half. But this is a guy that hits 30 homers every year. I mean, you you just look at it. Uh, dating back to 2012, 42, 36, 34, 39, 42, 38, 32, and 34 last year. Last year was the first year during that span he drove in less than 98 runs. Now he's playing on a team that is just loaded offensively from top to bottom. There should be men on base. He should be able to drive in close to 100 as long as you know his body holds being this old. Uh, and we have seen some drops in on base as his you know, career has gone on. But, you know, if you care about lineup protection, it's there. You look at these, you know, uh, projections from basically every system. He's above 30 homers. If he could get you above 100 RBIs, all of a sudden you're getting, you know, basically the 34-year-old version of Edwin Encarnacion priced like the 37-year-old version. So, I mean, I look at the guys below him, Jock Peterson, just don't think he's going to play every day. I think it's pretty clear they're going to sit him against lefties. Uh, Mancini, probably not a guy you should be drafting. Eric Hosmer, I don't see the upside. And then you just go with guys who you really have to talk yourself into having upside, whereas Edwin Encarnacion is pretty consistently good. He just needs a little luck to be great. There we go. Uh, I think a couple of the other guys there who have some ceiling are uh, Daniel Vogelbach, Eric Thames, Brandon Belt, not much of a ceiling, but a very, very, very safe floor guy. G-Man Choi, another guy who might 
uh, you know, might just luck in some homers over a short season. Uh, we're going to head to break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. When we get back, we are going to have a very similar discussion, but we are going to transition it over to second base. So we will see you guys on uh, the other side of break. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back from break here on the Daily Roto Hour on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined today by Ricky Sanders in the middle of a big fantasy baseball preview, taking a look at second base now after we uh, took a, a long look at first base in our first segment. And, uh, Massive, massive question at second base is who do you prefer between Glaber Torres and Ozzy Albies? Glaber does get the multi-position eligibility, so you can use him as a a shortstop as well. Ricky, I'm just I'm just kind of wondering because you you love you love yourself a good small sample. Uh, you know you really do. What do you make of the fact that Glaber was like a very average player against a uh, hundred and for uh, 120 games, and uh, he just absolutely killed. The Baltimore Orioles. I think I think the number is that like literally like forty percent of his home runs came against the Orioles and like twenty percent of his RBIs. Like absurd, absurd numbers. Where where are you at with that? Yeah, I don't know if I make anything of that. I certainly was playing him in daily fantasy against the Orioles, but when you're playing a team whose starting pitchers consist of like Dylan Bundy, who was just giving up bombs, Dan Straley, who's since gone to the KBO. Uh, I mean, just a bunch of guys who probably didn't belong in the majors wouldn't be a fifth starter on most other teams. It would have been interesting to see if guys like that would have even made bullpens for some of the better teams. Like, it's obvious that you should have success in that spot. So I personally am not making anything out of, like, the Torres, you know, sample size against one team. He he produced against pitchers that you should be producing against at the major league level. Like if you're good, you should produce against bad pitchers. So I don't think you take anything of that. I think you got to look at the overall sample. He was awfully good just in general versus Ozzy Albies. Albies gives you more, you know, categorical upside, I think with, with the steals. I mean, 
14 and 15 the last two years. Albies turned into an average hitter last year, another guy who improved greatly upon his line drives. Uh, he turned into a guy who, could, who you were playing in daily fantasy against both sides of the plate. Torres, I mean, of course, he he's mostly built on power. He was a guy who the Cubs traded for Aroldis Chapman. Um, I, I don't know what to make of, of, you know, these two. I think I would be happy with either. If it were up to me, I would probably take Ozzy Albies. Um, but I think I would be in a spot where if Glaber Torres was the best available, I would trade back a few spots and see what kind of value I could get. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I just sort of overall, I love having switch hitters. Like, I love this for daily fantasy. I love this for season-long fantasy. Like, I just, you know, you, you're, you never have, you literally are never at a disadvantage. So I do, I always love that. I, I slightly like Albies because of the, you know, the additional stolen bases. And, you know, I think there is, um I think there is a, a little bit less risk of, you know, just uh, just some bad luck over 80 games with fly balls and stuff like that. Um, I think you and I are probably both off of Jose Altuve, where he is going, because we are, we are definitely sort of truthers that, uh, that the Astros are going to have a tougher time this year than, uh, than, than in years past, because uh, they're not cheating anymore. Yeah, exactly. I, I worry about Jose Altuve, a guy who is tiny to begin with, uh, not having the advantage of knowing the pitches, and a guy who's kind of been on the decline, even with the ability to know pitches. Uh, I think Jose Altuve is a guy who clearly has a lower floor than these guys going in the similar range. Like, the arrow is pointing up uh, for Kettle Marte and Keston Hira, although I'm not sure how much Hira can point specifically for Marte after last year. But I just feel much better about the, his hitting prospects of it being legit, it, really for both those guys, than I do for Jose Altuve. So at this ADP, even though it's lower than we're accustomed to with Altuve, he is still a guy I'm likely passing on. Like, if it comes down to him versus Kettle Marte, I'm not flipping a coin. I'm just taking Kettle Marte. Yeah, I think that is, you know, I think that is uh, uh, perfectly reasonable. Some of the other, you know, premium picks you'll have to spend here. I, I actually prefer Whit Merrifield to Jonathan VR. Where do you where do you fall on those two? Yeah, it depends where we find out that Miami's playing because I don't love guys, you know, solely. I, I wouldn't say solely because VR obviously gives you uh, steals, but a guy who you're relying on for his power in Miami. That's a tough park to hit the ball out of consistently unless you're Giancarlo Stanton. So VR, where he's giving you value with the 20-plus homer, you know, 40-plus steal upside, all of a sudden if we're talking about a guy who's on a 10-homer pace, is a very different player. So I I agree with you on Whit Merrifield. We've seen what he can do in Kansas City, and you just don't have to wonder, like, what will it look like in a bigger ballpark with him because it's it's where he's been. So I think in terms of safety, Whit Merrifield's your guy. If you're looking for upside and, and think VR, you know, just has the power to hit the ball out of anywhere, I think he's a fine pick. Just wouldn't be one that I would make. Yeah, I think that is um I think that is reasonable. So let's uh let's take a dip into the value territory. Uh I don't I don't probably have to tell you uh this is this is your time. Your soliloquy on Kavan Biggio can begin right now. I mean, it's going to happen every single time we talk about him. I can't get through talking about this guy without the love oozing out. I mean, this is a guy that I'm not going to end any drafts without. Uh, in second base, by the way, in a in a league that's auctioned, like I am certainly comfortable ending up with multiple second basemen, especially if you have a middle infield position, because I do think guys like Keston Hira are guys that I would like to have on my team. I mean, Jeff McNeil, a guy who is an elite average guy, Mike Moustakis playing in a tiny ballpark for lefties. There is some serious power upside there, but Kevon Biggio is the guy to me that is the potential league winner pretty clearly. He is one of the most patient hitters in the entire league. I mean, he was up there in terms of, of, a pitches per plate appearance. He had an on-base percentage of 364 after having an on-base about 450 uh, in AAA last year. And when he swung the bat, he was a patient hitter. He crushed the ball. A 27.6% line drive rate. Remember, we talked about Cody Bellinger having a career best at 26. So this guy was hitting line drives at a higher rate than Cody Bellinger. 39.5% hard hit rate. So he was patient. He took his walks. But when he found a pitch, both against lefties and righties, he crushed it. Plus, he has the ability to steal bases. He'll be hitting in between Bo Bichette 
and Vlad Guerrero. I mean, 123 is a ridiculous price, in my opinion, for Biggio. He's a guy I'm taking in the top 100. And again, like this is the guy that I've identified at this position as a potential league winner. So I, I definitely agree with like the core of the analysis, right? I, I, I just, I think that what you've highlighted about his ceiling, um, I think, you know, the fact that he's in the middle of, he's in the middle of that Blue Jays lineup that like there, there is an element of like compounding value there for, for the Blue Jays, because, you know, if Biggio hits the ceiling and Bichette hits the ceiling and Vladimir Guerrero, you know, turns it around and starts lifting the ball up in the air, like, oh, you know, like, all of these things can happen, and then we can have something like what happened with the 2019 Yankees, where they were just scoring so many runs. They were just they they were just like even guys who are not good, like Aaron Hicks. You know, Aaron Hicks not really a great baseball player over a long sample, but he was you know seeing all these great pitches to hit, and he there was always runners on base when he was getting his doubles and his home runs. Um, you know, like Lemayhew is. LeMayu's a guy that, like, I don't think has a great skill set. You know, he played in Coors Field for as long as he did and never had a season as good as he did until he got to the Yankees. So I I think some of the stuff you've highlighted there for Biggio is uh, for sure true. Like, he would be be my primary target at second base heading into a draft, I think. Yeah, mine too. But again, I'm, like, not afraid of these other options. It would just be a scenario where if we're talking a snake, like, I would be waiting to pounce on him. And if we got past pick 80 and he was still on the board, I would be leapfrogging guys like McNeil, Mustakis, Eduardo Escobar, who, by the way, had a ridiculous year last year. But I think everyone pretty much agrees. It seems like it's baked into his price that Eduardo Escobar's ceiling year was 2019. He had 35 homers, 118 RBIs, and he's being drafted, you know, basically in the same spot as Kevon Biggio at 114, so even slightly earlier um, but he's not a guy who steals a ton of bases. He was not a good on-base guy. He just had a great power year. I mean, his home run fly ball rate for his career, 10.5%. He was at 15% last year. Now, you know, he was in a park in Arizona, which, you know, is still, like, basically neutral. I'm not sure it's much better than Minnesota where he was, where, you know, enhanced his power, especially when he hit from the right side of the plate. But I think it was a ceiling year from Eduardo Escobar, whereas some other guys in this tier, we still could be waiting for their, their ceiling year. Like Mike Moustakis in Cincinnati could be a match made in heaven. That could Dude, be 40 he, if, homers. If they, play, if they play half their games in Great American Ballpark, I mean, like he could, like Mike Moustakis, there's a sneaky bet to lead baseball in home runs. Like that, like that is the kind of ceiling year he could have in, you know, that park, that park that produces power to that level, you know, he's a left-hander. Uh, yeah, just, yeah. I, I think Moustakis is a guy I would be targeting for sure. Uh, and, and you can play it. You, you can uh, take him at third base as well, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. Like I would not be surprised if Mike Moustakis outproduced like a Keston Hyra who's getting all the hype, but I mean, there's a 40 plus spot difference in terms of their ADP. So in terms of value, like, I don't think second is a position like first, you'd have to reach on early because you can get guys slightly later. Uh, who do you like at current ADP more between the Colorado guys? Ryan McMahon going at around 170. Garrett Hampson going right around pick 200. Uh, which one of those guys do you prefer? I like Ryan McMahon. I just think he's the better hitter of the two. You know, like Hampson, fine. But Ryan McMahon, you know, you're, you're lefty, age 25, potentially playing half his game in Coors. We saw him hit 24 homers last year. Still still early in his career, what I didn't like to see um, was that gigantic home run fly ball rate last year. Like, I don't think that is anywhere near sustainable. 27%. He played in Coors, so you can expect an outlier number, but you're not expecting, you know, over... 25% from any player in the MLB. Like Cody Bellinger was a career best and he was significantly lower than this and he had 50 homers. So I think he's kind of like a 20 homer guy that you would expect. Uh, probably not great in terms of of average just yet. He's going to have to improve upon his patience. But if you get games and cores, like I think he's he's reasonable. Yeah, I, I mean, I think I think that he's pretty reasonable as well. One guy to me, who gets buried and uh it's because it's i guess last season was 
I mean, last season was not even that bad for Colton Wong. Someone's going to have to explain to me why people hate Colton Wong. I guess maybe it's because he bats really low down in the order. So, you know, for a guy of his profile, you would think that he would get more runs and RBIs. But uh, Colton Wong last season, 549 plate appearances, 11 home runs, 24 steals. So that's a big number for a guy who goes as late as he does. And unlike most of the guys who are are steal only, you know, uh, the, the speed guys, uh, he actually is a decent hitter, you know, gives you average, uh, is going to give you OBP in an OBP league, like Colton Wong going at uh, pick 215, like that's absurd to me. He would definitely be a guy that I would target. Uh, Zips has him for 10 home runs, 56 runs, 51 RBIs, 17 stolen bases, and a 270 batting average. You are for sure turning a profit getting that at pick 224. Like that's a that's a starting player for your lineup, no problem. So we are going to head to break here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. Going to continue our fantasy baseball analysis when we get back, and uh, we are going to wrap up that uh, portion of the show with a discussion about fantasy baseball catchers in 2020. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Daily Roto Hour here on SportsGrid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders. Continuing our fantasy baseball discussion for the day, we discussed first base and second base thus far. Uh, Going to reverse back around the diamond and head to catcher because... Uh, <laughs> I mean, this is a, a brutal position for fantasy. There are there are roughly four guys, five guys who are are kind of premium hitters. And uh then, you know, it's it's not a deep position, I guess we'll say, because it is it is definitely one of the few positions left in baseball where your defensive value is actually worth more. Like you can be a straight up bad, you know, losing wins style player on offense and still provide wins overall to your team. You know, Jeff Mathis is going to get 
400 plate appearances a season, and it just it just doesn't matter how bad he is at hitting Ricky because he's able to uh, to provide some defense. So you know, just overall, how do you handle a position that is not at all deep? So I think for fantasy purposes, if we're talking single catcher leagues, it's deep enough to the point where I don't think you need to be reaching on the top guys. Look, JT Real Muto is very good at baseball. Uh, Gary Sanchez is likely your most powerful catcher, but you're getting the guy who, according to Pakoda, which is a baseball prospectus stat, uh, which says, you know, basically gives you real life value. Yasmani Grandal is the best catcher in baseball right now, and he's being taken at pick 100. So I really don't think you need to, to reach for either of the top guys when you can get Grandal later, who should post, you know, maybe not Gary Sanchez power numbers, maybe not JT Real Muto, you know, average numbers, but somewhere in the middle of both. And I think get it at a very good price. But even if you miss there, there are a bunch of guys with serious potential. I mean, Mitch Garver was a guy that we saw lead the catcher position in ISO last year, 357, mostly because of the just ridiculous work he did against left-handed pitching. After that, we've got Will Smith, who came up. He showed a, a strong isolated power number, 318 as a rookie. Um, we're getting even smaller in samples, but you know, behind him is another top prospect catcher, Sean Murphy at number 13 who showed a ton of isolated power. It was only in 60 plate appearances, but 321, and we do expect him to be a good hitting catcher. And already at Sean Murphy, we're talking about, you know, catcher 13. So being drafted outside of the starter range in 12-team leagues. I don't think you have to be worried about catcher. We haven't even talked about my favorite catcher value yet, who I think is going to end up being a starter in 12-team leagues. If you miss on JT Real Muto or Gary Sanchez, you just wait a while and you'll get someone who is still good enough to be a starter and you can still find guys with potential to be top five catchers. I just don't think this is a position that you have to lose any sleep over like whatsoever. Do you think that Real Muto is actually still a value where he's going right around right around pick 45 so that's kind of that's kind of tail end middle of the third round depending on if it's a 12 or a, a 15 team league like are you are you still in on him uh where he's being drafted or do you think that is overpriced based on you know a great season last year for philadelphia and the fact that he is you know literally like the catcher that will add some stolen bases other than uh your boy who we'll talk about here in a little bit yeah um i mean I think most of these leagues are two catcher leagues. So for that reason, I do understand it slightly more. If you do have to draft two catchers, you know, having a top catcher is certainly an advantage. Even with two catchers, I think pick 43 is a little early for me. I think I would just rather go in a different position and wait a few rounds to get one of the next guys. When you say he adds stolen bases, like he has 12 steals over the course of his last two years. So it's not like he's adding too much. We have made the case that like every steal is going to matter in fantasy baseball leagues with only 80 games. So from yep. that perspective, like I get it, but I don't think I'm willing to, you know, lose a, a top 40 overall pick just because I want four stolen bases from a catcher who's going to do really the rest of his numbers are going to be pretty similar to Yasmani Grandal. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that Grandal is probably uh, a, I mean, I would be fine with Grandal or Contreras or Mitch Garver. Like, I, I would think that the tier of guys that if I was going to do 100 drafts, um, you know, and we're not going to have very long to draft, but I would I would think that Grandal, Contreras, and Garver are the guys who I would find myself uh, targeting most often. And that is that, that would be true for single catcher or double catcher leagues. Yeah, so the guy that I would be targeting most often is just a guy that I'm completely punting the position. I get to draft my first two 200 picks, not worrying about catcher, and then I fall into is Francisco Mejia. I don't think people realize just how good he was last year in the second half. Uh, I know that's, you know, splitting up the sample size, but that was really when he was given, like, his full opportunity. And Francisco Mejia, in the second half of last year, a 305, 355, 511 slash line, a 206 isolated power playing half his games in Petco, 363 Woba, 127 WRC plus, and he is just 24 years old. This is a guy who was traded for, remember, some of those uh, bullpen guys who went to Cleveland for their top catching prospect. Like, this is a guy who could easily be, for years to come, a top five fantasy catcher, 
And because you're catching him at the beginning before people know his name, he is going way too late. I mean, just the upside of him comparatively to guys like Tom Murphy, who's a strong catcher against lefties. He, he really does have a ton of power against them. I don't want to undersell him. But someone like Yadier Molina at age 37, I mean, the comparative upside when we talk about like guys who you want to draft late, there have been articles circulating in fantasy football circles that, you know, it's okay to draft a guy, you know, at RB60 who gives you RB30 production, but you really want to draft the guy who gives you RB12 production, right? The guy who could really change things. And I think Francisco Mejia is the guy who you could be drafting this late who truly could give you catcher five numbers and could be an absolute difference maker if you draft well around him. Okay, what about uh, what about Will Smith for the Dodgers? You know, is there value in just getting someone in what is – I mean, very, very likely to be, you know, just the the best offense in baseball. Yes. I mean, I don't want to undersell people on Will Smith. Like I mentioned, he came up last year in Dodger Stadium, which is not a great hitter's park. But, you know, some of these young hitters, they just have such great talents uh, that doesn't matter with a bunch of these guys. He came up and showed some great power numbers. I mentioned the, I mentioned the isolated power. How about a 571 slugging percentage after a 603 slugging percentage in AAA? He hit 20 homers there. He hit 35 homers combined at two two levels last year. So if you talk about a guy that has like ceiling, you know, ridiculous ceiling, uh, people are drafting Gary Sanchez. It would not shock me if Will Smith did lead the league in homers at the catcher position. He certainly has Mitch Garver and Gary Sanchez to compete with. But he didn't really show any signs of slowing down and doing what he does best. His plate discipline was a little shaky. But what do you expect from a rookie? In the, you know a player's second year, there's always a threat for a sophomore slump. But I think with that kind of power, like even a slump could be like a 230 average, but enough homers to still be viable. Yeah, I think I think that is pretty firmly in the uh, the range of outcomes. So. Uh, do you uh, do you want to talk about your boy, the the Arizona Diamondbacks prospect? I mean, you the no one no one loves uh, this fella more than you. Now Dalton Varsho has a ADP of seven oh six, but he is twenty three years old. One of their top prospects. When they were in trade talks um, for Starling Marte, they took him off the table. So they really like Dalton Varsho, and now you have a designated hitter. I don't think Carson Kelly, I mean, he's a guy who you talk about is a good defender. So, like, this is a guy who could earn at bats because of the defensive prowess. But in terms of, like, overall fantasy skill sets, Dalton Varsho is the guy. And if his bat is as good as we think it could be, I mean, this is an average hitter, top of the lineup, guy projected to hit first as a catcher um, who could steal and has been stealing at the minor league level 20-plus bases So we're talking like the outfielder you like to draft late, like the Kenny Loftons are the name that come to mind uh, in his later days, who are like 300 hitters with 20 plus steals at catcher who may not be up to start the year, but because of his age and just like how he's been, you know, crushing in the minors and how the team views him, he has to get called up at some point, in my opinion, especially if they're pushing for the playoffs. He's a guy who can help contribute, and he's just going for free. And can you imagine a catcher who gets called up after like a few weeks who steals the equivalent of like 10 to 15 bases in a shortened season? We're talking about drafting Real Muto early to give you four steals. Varsho is a true leadoff guy, so there's just such unique value in drafting him that I think you know the downside is you take him with your last pick and you cut him if he's not up. But the upside is all of a sudden you have a guy who is unlike any player in the major leagues and you got him for free. Yeah, I that is uh, that's big upside, right? Like that is that is definitely something that you should be aiming for um, with these later picks. Uh, I think I think another guy who you could put in the category of, you know, just not really being drafted relative to where his upside is, is uh, Victor Caratini. Uh, so we should have talked about him when we did the universal DH stuff for the Cubs. So as a backup to Wilson Contreras, who is, you know, a, a top 100 pick at catcher, uh, this is a guy who Zips has projected for an above league average Woba at, at catcher, Ricky, and he still found 279 plate appearances for the Cubs last year. He's going at like pick, like, like literally like the same, like pick 
550. Like you, you if you want Victor Caratini, you are going to be able to get him. Uh, and he is like he is a rosterable catcher with some power upside into catcher leagues. And I, I don't I mean, there's no hype about this guy at all. No, and you would assume that if there's an injury to the Cubs at either first base or catcher, Caratini gets an opportunity. I'm not sure, even though it seems logical, that if Anthony Rizzo were injured at first, that Kyle Schwarber would be like the logical guy to fill in there. I think the team likes playing Caratini there and just, you know, leaving Schwarber in the outfield to continue to get more and more comfortable instead of messing with his position. I don't think he's like a Chris Bryant where they're like, okay, he can play third, he can play left, we just need to get him in the lineup. I think when Schwarber's in, they just want to keep him focused where they've tried to make him comfortable for a few seasons. So I think Caratini could earn some sneaky at-bats if there is an injury. And even without it, he's a guy who could hit double-digit homers. So if we're talking like 15 uh team league, you know, two catcher league. If you miss on this second tier of like true starters, you know, the Roberto Perez's who I don't think is really interesting. I think he had like an outlier year in terms of power. I think instead of taking one of those guys, you could wait and take Caratini. He's not like crazy exciting, but all of a sudden you get injury to Wilson Contreras and you're right. There is some potential, no doubt. Yeah, uh, I think uh, I think that is I think that is well said. Uh, I I should also say that every year I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get, you know, hooked into drafting whoever the Colorado catcher is, just because you you run you want to run into ten free home runs. But uh, Tony Walters is actually bad enough to uh, to have cured me from that habit. So I I do feel I do feel blessed uh, in that regard. So that was a a quick preview of first base, second base and catcher here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. We're going to head into our final break here on the program. When we return, we are just going to kind of run through the first round of a draft in the NFC, you know, the main event, the the high stakes championship. So uh, see you back in just a few minutes on the other side of break for that. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
Hello everyone and welcome back to our final segment here on the Daily Roto Hour on Sports Grid TV. I'm Davis Maddock, joined by Ricky Sanders. In our final segment here of our fantasy baseball preview show, we are running through a mock draft of a 15-team mixed league. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be using high stakes fantasy baseball ADP. You know, maybe this would not necessarily be how your draft would go. Maybe this won't be how all drafts would go, but this is how, you know, some of these bigger leagues are uh, are taking place. And since I am such a kind and gracious host, uh, Ricky, I'm going to give you the first selection and then I'm gonna argue about it when you make the wrong pick. Well, you're going to get to find out how full of crap I am after we've talked about, you know, how you don't want to draft outfielders. I think there are clear exceptions to every rules. It just so happens some of the best few hitters in the league happen to be of the outfield variety to the point where you can't overlook their position, right? I mean, these guys are just a tier above the others. And I, of course, speak about, and you can even add another name to this list, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Mike Trout. And I think for fantasy baseball purposes and maybe even real baseball purposes, this could be the year, you could argue it happened last year, that Ronald Acuna Jr. takes over the league in terms of being the best hitter in the league. I would take Ronald Acuna Jr. number one. This is a guy who had 40 homers with 37 steals last year. If you weren't on him in daily fantasy, you were losing money constantly. And, I mean, he drove in 100 hitting at the top of the line. The guy's just ridiculous. I don't see how you go in any other direction between him and Trout, and I like Acuna. So, I mean, I think you're wrong. And the reason that I think you're wrong is that Mike Trout is the best hitter in baseball. And, uh, I mean, the you know, the argument for Acuna is that he does project for more steals than Mike Trout. But I will, I just will not hear any other argument. Like, Trout... He's the best. He he has a career weighted on base average of 419. Uh, you know he projects com- he projects very comfortably for over 40 home runs every year. He will still get you double digit stolen bases, like 100 100 runs, 100 RBIs. Like Trout Trout is the goat. Like literally, Trout actually might be the best baseball player of all time. And uh, any any draft where I am selecting first overall, Ricky, I just uh, I am I'm selecting Michael Trout. Yeah, I just worry about the steals potential for him. That's literally it because he's broke his hand sliding. His steals were down to 11 last year. Um, I just worry that as he goes, you know, trends towards hitting towards the middle of the lineup, which I think is a possibility, they just run less. And, I mean, take that for what it's worth. It's just it's differentiating like minute details between him and Ronald Acuna. So I wouldn't argue. I do think Mike Trout has a chance to be the best baseball player of all time. Okay, we talked about him at first base. I'm just taking him because of the positional difference between him and Yelich. Uh, I want the opportunity to potentially not draft an outfielder this early and have another position. Cody Bellinger, a guy with some insane contact numbers last year, would be the guy that I would take at three. I think 50 plus homers is within the range. I think you get those double digit steal or that double digit steal pace, even if it's a shortened season. Cody Bellinger is just a complete player. So, yeah, so our our first three picks would go Acuna to Ricky, Trout to me, Bellinger to Ricky. And then, uh, you know, obviously, I think this is when you start to have discussions because Yelich is a guy, you know, who you look at his profile and you go like, yeah, this guy's amazing. He's going to give me runs, home runs, RBIs, like he's going to do all this stuff. But, uh, you know, he is, he again, he is an outfielder. Do I think he, do I think there is a, a huge, huge, huge market difference between Christian Yelich and, you know, uh, Juan Soto? I mean, Yelich is definitely better, but there are ways where Soto could have a better like rotisserie year than uh than him. You know, and Mookie Betts, I think, is again in a very similar category, though. Um, oddly enough, I actually think the trade to the Dodgers, even though they're a better team, I think it's just a little bit worse for Mookie because he is gonna be playing if if they are sticking to the schedule, he's gonna be playing in like worse parks and everything. And you know, that depth like playing against better pitchers and worse parks is definitely going to matter for Mookie Betts. So Ricky, with my pick, I'm just gonna take the best pitcher. And I, I'm gonna take Garrett Cole. I'm gonna let him rack up these wins. I'm gonna let him rack up these strikeouts. I mean Garrett Cole, uh you I don't I mean maybe he's a cheater, right? Maybe maybe getting away from the Astros is gonna be a disaster for him. I think probably not though. I think I think I have more concerns about Astros hitters than Astros pitchers, but maybe that's wrong. 
No, I don't think it is. I think Garrett Cole has his stuff is too freaking good for him to like absolutely fail. Like, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Garrett Cole's the number one starting pitcher, but I think it's a foregone conclusion that if he's healthy, he's a top ten starting pitcher. So there's really not much you can lose with that pick. I I certainly agree with it. Uh, now we get to the point where do you like Christian Yelich um, because I think he's the top hitter on the board, or do you, do you just not care because he is an outfielder? And because I think there are some elite values at some of these other positions, I'm willing to pass on Christian Yelich probably for another pick or two to the point where I would go Francisco Lindor here. Um, now we're putting our money where our mouth is passing on outfielders. I think Acuna and Trout right. are the top two. Obviously, Yelich is incredible, but I mean, Francisco Lindor, 30 plus homers, 20 plus steals, back to back years, almost did it three straight years, didn't get to 20 steals in 2017. You know what you're getting from him, and it's just his production is so different from the other guys at the at the position where the same isn't true for Christian Yelich. So uh, I I like the I like the selection. You know I think I think Lindor. I just when you start to factor in positional scarcity and the fact that you know you're literally you're going to be sitting there at pick you know three fifty pick four hundred. You know just drafting outfielders you like. You know drafting outfielders were like oh like, you know I think this guy can steal twenty bases. Um, you know I think that uh, I think that this guy can hit thirty home runs, thirty five home runs. You know that that just is kind of the the nature of a position. You know kind of what we talked about with first base you know that uh that stuff just being uh you know those guys just being so so deep relative uh to the field you know i I think that is i think that is absolutely massive so all that said ricky you you uh you put me you you backed me into a you backed me into a corner here i'm i am not gonna pass on christian yelich at this point this is uh this is a point where you have to look at uh, yelich's projected stats and you have to say like okay this, this guy can't go any later uh so last year he stole 30 bases 44 home runs uh if this season were to be a full season zips has him projected for 24 steals 34 home runs uh 99 run scores 106 rbis like just very very clearly you know a a very good season from a very good season from him. So uh, I am going to take Yelich here. I don't I don't think that I feel great about it, but I feel fine with it, I guess, uh, at this point. Even though he is an outfielder, like, clearly the stats are incredible. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the next few picks you, like, absolutely had to take him. Now it becomes very difficult because Jacob deGrom, are they going to be playing at home? Is there going to be a designated hitter? If there's a designated hitter, I mean, I think deGrom comparatively to the next few guys, uh, is not as different as he would have been pitching in the National League. The question remains with Trevor Story. Is he hitting in Colorado? If we assume the answer is they're playing in different stadiums and we're going to have a shortened season, I'm taking Fernando Tatis here. Uh, He would be the guy that would get the ballpark likely upgrade. Yeah, He would be the guy that you know, uh, compared to story compared to DeGrom that, that would get the upgrade. Plus he's got like the 2020 potential that we saw in like a hundred games. I think it was 87 to hundred games last year. And I think he's just getting better. He's clearly one of the top talents. The earliest he's gone is pick seven since, you know, the beginning of what is it? April. But I think people really should be considering him around pick seven, you know, with, with all the other uncertainty if you're drafting right now. So just to, to give people an idea, 84 games last year, which is, you know, roughly similar to what we think they might play this season, 372 plate appearances for Tatis. And, you know, this is his first experience with professional, uh, you know, or, or MLB baseball, not professional baseball, 22 home runs, 16 steals, 398 weighted on base average. Now, granted, though, you know, 30% K rate, 8% walk rate, so... You are you are thinking you know he he did he is running pretty hot Anna he is running pretty hot I so I guess I agree with your analysis that um, he's going to get the park upgrade whereas top, whereas Story would be very likely to get a park downgrade um, and this would certainly be something that I think would change right so this would this would change if we're like no these guys are playing in their home ballparks no these right. guys aren't playing in their home ballparks that would be you know that would be really big for them. Um, but I would, I would, if, if what, if, if the situations were neutral in terms of ballpark, I would still take story for sure. I, I would, just, I would prefer story slightly over him 
uh, just based off of like the raw power, like stories like raw power stuff is really incredible. I think he'd, I think he'd be very likely to hit more home runs than, uh, than Tatis. So my next selection, I'm just going to go ahead and go Jake DeGrom. You know, you're going to, you're going to keep giving me the free value. Uh, I, I'm just going to take it. I think, I think DeGrom is, you know, very likely to go earlier than this in, uh, in most drafts basically. Yeah, I think that's fair. With the uncertainty, I think the next pick is between Trey Turner and Trevor Story. I'll leave you with your guy, Trevor Story. If you want him, I'm going to take Trey Turner just without knowing the the stadiums. I mean, if, if you give me Trevor Story and you tell me he's in Coors, I'm taking him over Tatis, like you said. But because we don't know that, I'm taking Turner. Yeah, I'm so I'm wondering, you know, with with Trey Turner, like is there is there any worries of like maybe he's not that good of a hitter, right? So like there there would possibility of, you know, batting average regressing, runs regressing, RBIs regressing, you know, when he's still going to have like, you know, a, a won't kill you level of power, you know, and yeah. uh and and obviously the steal upside is tremendous. I just like I I would I would for sure go story over to Turner for me. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Turner is he looks like more of a Kyle Crawford than like a 40-40 type of player, right. like an Alfonso Soriano type, you know, player in his prime. So, yes, I mean, there's there's more upside to story, I would say. Yeah. Um, so then, yeah, that leaves that leaves me my next pick, story. Uh, so so come of the, the guys you'd be looking at here, Soto, Walker Bueller, Nolan Arenado, Alex Bregman, Jose Ramirez, Where where are you going? I think at this point I got to take Juan Soto. Uh, just because I love the talent there. I think he has the potential to be the best hitter in baseball in 2022. And I know that's not this year, but this is a guy who has basically bested Mike Trout numbers at this point in his career to the point where, you know, he's, he's another guy you just got to make an exception for this early. Uh, then I will, uh, I will take Arenado. I assume at this point you're going Bueller. Yes. At this point I would take Walker Bueller. Yeah, and then uh, then it kind of just becomes you know we got Bregman, Ramirez, Scherzer, Freeman, Tatis. Uh, oh, Tatis already selected Harper. Uh, I would definitely not be taking Harper this early. That seems Same. crazy. Uh, Verlander sometimes sneaks in. Seems like uh, the last guy with a 15th overall selection as their their earliest pick is Pete Alonso all the way down at 30. So, you know, really at the back end of the first round, it does become sort of, you know, personal preference type, uh, personal preference type stuff. So, and, and also shows that the second round is going to have a lot of guys that can earn first round value, um, as well. So everyone that's going to do it for us here today at the daily Roto hour on sports grid TV, this has been Davis Maddock and Ricky Sanders. I will return tomorrow with Christopher Pacheco and we will, uh, continue our discussion of this wide world of wagering. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, 
as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.